0: segment we saw how Luther pretty much uses the same questions for both baptism and the Lord's Supper. What is it? What does it do? And how can it do this? But he uses a different question as the fourth question for the Lord's Supper. For baptism it was, what is the significance of baptism for my daily life? In the Lord's Supper, he asks who is worthy to receive the Lord's Supper or the Body and Blood of Christ? instead of asking what is the significance of the Lord's Supper for the daily life of the Christian.
1: Yes, uh, Chuck, that, that question of the significance for daily life was one that Luther liked to answer. Um, he answers it time and time again in his, his preaching and devotional writings. Uh, so we might think it's a little strange that it, it wasn't asked here. On the other hand, Luther was dealing with a very practical uh, at least week by week kind of question uh, when he he posed that question in the small catechism for a couple of reasons, medieval Christians uh, were a little bit shy about the sacrament uh, they regarded it many of them did at least as a as a kind of magical uh, special uh, expression of the power of god that they had to be pretty careful of and so if they went as unworthy people they were afraid that that god might strike them dead as they received Mm. the body and blood of christ Uh, so that that moment in the mass which was probably the high point of the week spiritually at least for the village um when the when the priest actually brought christ's body and blood down to the altar uh that that Gave them a sense of awe and and actually fear, and so they wanted to be sure uh, that they were they were ceremonially pure, we might say, and then uh, many Christians did have the same kind of problem that that Luther did. They wondered, on the basis of their moral, their ethical works, whether they were really worthy of coming into the into the presence of God, and so. We know that that Luther was taught at the university uh, that if he hadn 't done his best, if he hadn 't done everything that was in him to uh, merit god 's grace uh, he wouldn 't have the grace to uh, to uh, move then on into uh, being able to really please God so worthiness on the basis of our works, either our ceremonial works or our ethical works, was a big deal uh, for Christians in the time of, of Martin Luther. That's why he says uh, fasting and bodily preparation are external disciplines because they were used to make sure that people were pure, were worthy of, um, of uh, going ahead and, uh, and receiving the sacrament. And Luther says, that's not the point at all. There's no way you and I can make ourselves worthy. Now, we often paraphrase what Luther says here. Uh, by, by making the comment that the best way you're going to be worthy is to mit- admit your own unworthiness. Uh, and I think that is at least implied in what Luther says. Uh, worthiness consists in simply trusting that God will bring his forgiveness to you as a sinner who needs his forgiveness. And so, if you are not believing those words... It doesn't matter how much external discipline you may apply to your body or to your mind. uh, You cannot make yourself worthy of coming into the presence of God, Um, in part because your efforts never will be enough, in part because Jesus Christ has already made you worthy through his own death and resurrection that have taken away your sin and given you life as
0: God's child
1: and salvation in his sight.
0: Having said that, Bob, Luther doesn't deny that bodily or external body preparations are inappropriate. I remember growing up and uh, my grandma, a diehard faithful Lutheran, um, I I recall that they wouldn't have breakfast on Sunday morning prior to receiving the Lord's Supper. They had certain uh, practices uh, or habits of preparing themselves, at least externally as you say. So though that's the, not the main thing that makes us worthy or it's not the thing that makes us worthy at all. Yeah. Um, he doesn't deny that there may be a good purpose to having certain habits or customs.
1: That, that's correct. Um, memory devices, we might uh, uh, call them. Oh. The Lord meets us with his body and blood in the framework of, of his word to give us the promise. And everything that we can use to help us concentrate on the promise is, uh, is really very worthwhile, if we can put it that way.
0: So these were a way of focusing one's uh, mind and attention on what you were about to receive?
1: Yes. And, and through that, um, there's no uh, special effect, we might say, And yet, those are means by which the Holy Spirit actually helps us uh, sharpen our ears so that we can hear, um, sharpen our sense of taste, we might say, so that we can receive uh, what God is giving us in in Christ's body
0: and blood. That's very good. Okay, so Luther has uh, dealt with the burning question of his day, who can receive such um, body and blood of Christ worthily. Uh, but he does deal with the significance of the Lord's Supper for the daily life of the Christian elsewhere.
1: Uh, yes, and in fact, I suppose we could say uh, that also is implied in the, in the first three questions, uh, as well as the, the fourth. Here we have the invitation of our Heavenly Father, come and join me at my supper table. Um, we know how honored we feel when... Um, when we are invited by some friends to to eat with them, especially if if the friends seem uh, uh, more prominent or uh, or particularly important, uh, if we are at a, uh, a, a church supper or something, and uh, someone that we treasure a great deal says, "Ah, oh, come sit with us um, at the table," we we say, "Wow," and. Um, it's the same kind of thing. Our Heavenly Father embraces us. We're kids who can sit at his table. Not only that, we feast on the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior. Um, he comes to us to invite us to the Father's table. He gives us himself as the meal uh, that, uh, that gives us life and salvation. I know some of, some of our students sometimes say, well, you've already got life and salvation um So, the Holy Supper just reassures us of it, right? Well, no, I would say that the gift is given again. Uh, we have talked about this rhythm of of needing to repent and receive forgiveness again day in and day out because of this mystery of the continuation of sin and evil in our lives and and so, I think the the lord 's Supper comes again. Uh, indeed to confirm what has already happened, but in the midst of the struggle against evil, then to, to reinforce that, to make sure that we, we are confident that uh, we belong at the supper table of the Lord and therefore can go forth into life to, to battle all Satan's temptations and to exercise our strength to be strong in serving our neighbor as we praise God.
0: So the Lord's Supper has an ongoing Uh, importance uh, and role within the Christian life for keeping us close uh, to Jesus Christ himself. Uh, Many traditions though uh, pay special attention to uh, the words of Jesus, particularly the words uh, do this in remembrance of me, do this to uh, remember me. I don't recall Luther talking too much about that particular word and so I wonder whether or not there is maybe a different understanding of the word remember from his day to our day. And, uh, but that is why Jesus says we are to uh, receive the Lord's Supper.
1: Uh, Luther doesn't say a lot about the remembering aspect um, because I suppose he, he's emphasizing what God is doing right here and now. And so he doesn't point us back uh, at his uh, time 1,500 years for us, 2,000 years um, to the cross and the resurrection themselves. Uh, I suppose that was in part because uh, an opponent like Ulrich Zwingli, who wanted to spiritualize the Lord's Supper, didn't think there was much happening there at all except for uh, uh, the remembering... Toward the end of his life, Zwingli did talk about the spiritual presence of Christ, but uh, in a manner somewhat similar to Jan- John Calvin later, he thought that God, as you pointed out, was pretty much restricted to heaven and uh, didn't get, get in our neighborhood uh, directly at all. Um, but Luther does talk about the remembering. He doesn't have the idea that some Christians have that time sort of collapses, And we are actually there as our Lord is crucified. He has a good sense of history, and there was a a point at which Jesus Christ came in the flesh to intervene in human history, and we're here 1,500, 2,000 years later. But the effects of that are being carried by the Word of God uh, as they bring the body and blood uh, to us. And so that has to cause us to go back and reflect on what happened in the cross, in the suffering. in the resurrection of our Lord, and and I suppose there is remembering um, in the manner that you and I would remember. Ah, oh, yeah, Napoleon had a bad winter when he went to Russia that time. That's not not having much of an impact on either one of us as we say it. Um, but this is a memory that God Himself came right into the middle of human history, and that God Himself, on the basis of His own death and resurrection is coming to us right here and now to give us this wonderful gift of new life. Uh, That's a living, a lively kind of remembering uh, that that Luther does talk about,
0: that Luther did preach, uh, even though it wasn't his main emphasis. So in other words, it's more than merely an intellectual activity uh, of recalling uh, something to mind. Now, we've talked about how the Lord's Supper is given for the forgiveness of sins, uh, life and salvation, uh, but what about when it comes to our daily life, um, particularly our life with others, uh, what you might call the realm of ethics? hmm and the, and the whole aspect of
1: communing with, with one another, not only communing with the Lord. Um. Early in his career, before he began fighting with Zwingli over the definition, uh, Luther talked, I think, more about the aspect of of God's bringing us together in a family. And because he brings us together in a family, uh, we have to regard those with whom we receive the Lord's Supper in a different way than we might otherwise. Uh, It's just like your brothers and sisters Uh, You didn't choose them. Uh, Your parents uh, gave them as a gift. Um, And so our brothers and sisters whom we meet at the altar rail uh, come as our brothers and sisters, whether we particularly like them all the time or not, whether we're arguing with them over something or not. The Heavenly Father brings us together In spite of all the personality differences and all the irritations we have with one another in his congregation, our Heavenly Father brings us together. And that means that we treat these brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters. Sure, we may argue with them. Sure, we may be irritated with them. We may not share their tastes. We may not share their preferences. But we recognize that on a far deeper level than that, we are united with them. And that bond of love, that bond that, that we experience communing with Jesus Christ, um, is then a bond of love that, that unites us with, uh, with all the other members of the congregation and with, with Christians beyond our own congregations um, as, we, as we share uh, this good gift of our common father um, with him and with one another.
0: Thus far, we have looked at two major sections of the Catechism. The first provides us with a Christian worldview that's centered in the life of faith. The second section has looked at how God nourishes our faith, uh, both creating in baptism, maintaining and nourishing it in the absolution and the Lord's Supper. As we move on to the last portion of the Catechism, we'll consider the Uh, portions that deal with what we might call the exercise of faith or the living out of faith in our daily walks of life.